Betting Preview Podcast from Pregame.com. Pregame.com. Broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip. Vegas, baby. With your host, R.J. Bell. I saw him on ESPN. Can I call Marco Daddy? VR seems wild. Florida State at NC State. Thursday night football, ESPN. Marco, what you better be looking at? Another Thursday night matchup. We've got a home dog. Can this home dog pull off the upset? I say they can, and one of the key reasons is their passing offense. Oklahoma was the only other team this year that Florida State faced that had a good passing offense, and that's the worst game Florida State had this year. I like, Florida, I like NC State on Thursday night to pull the upset, and I've got some other angles that we'll talk about further in the video. All right, first we've got to talk about your outfit in the suit, now what, what, or in the, I guess the sports jacket. Is this something we can expect every week? Well, it, it's all business this week, buddy. It's, uh, this is my game of the year week, and we're totally focused, and, you know, we're dressed for success. Now, you know, sometimes on TV they'll tease and say, coming up, we're going to talk about this. I'm going to tease the viewers for a future video. At some point this week, we're going to zoom in to your open collar right there with the chest hair. So I, I think that's going to, the views on the later videos are going to go through the roof is the way I see it. Oh, my God. All right. So let me start, let me start out. Florida State has not covered against NC State for not, on nine occasions. They're 0-8-1 ATS against NC, NC State. So to me, we've got a different coach, and, and that's what we're going to be talking about a lot this week, trends and how, when they're applicable and when they're not. When you listen to a number like that, does that sway you? It's always something that when I look at, I take note of it. But again, as we talked many times on the thing, I handicap more for the here and now than the past history. I'll look at it as a reference point, but it's really very well, let's, low let's on my look, list. Because if that's going to be your answer to all trend talk, then we can just record that and just play it again and again, or I can quit asking you. There's never any time that you think about trends. It will not take me off of a play if I've got more stuff on the other side. So you, you, you quite frankly, ignore trends. It, to me, and especially in college I'm football. I'm not saying you have to justify. Is that a well, yes? It's, yeah, I do right, for the that's most it, part. Yeah. Now, you said in college football. Is that and not that's the That's why I was going to explain. Because in college football, there's a turnover every two years. You know what I mean? You know, because let's face it, you know, seniors and, and juniors, mm-hmm. you know. So every two years, you've got a different chemical makeup, chemistry for the team that I just think that to look at those. Ster- when you say chemical makeup. Well, you know, sometimes that'll help too. Coach. But you're changing, you know, the, the flavor of that team, the face of that team, the nucleus every two years. So, you know, it's great. Now, where I will pay more attention to those type of trends, and I'll be honest with you, when we get to the last two weeks of the season and we talk about rivalry games, I think it's more pertinent in rivalry games than just regular conference so, games. So you're saying the matchup trends in rivalry games, even though there is that same turnover. There is that same turnover, but there's, you're now getting other things involved. You're getting history. I mean, like when we get to backyard brawl with Pitt and West Virginia, I have certain trends that I look at and make sense because it's, you know, a dog might cover more in that, and it's a situation I like to say it's the team that's playing for the least has the most to play for in those, revenge, in those rivalry games. Okay, but staying general for a second is – 
So what I hear you saying is, in, 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 in general, you're not a trend guy, but you're even less of a trend guy in college football and basketball, it sounds like, because of the turnover. Absolutely. Okay, so it sounds like you're leaning NC State. Give us some more facts on that. Well, I'll tell you what. Both teams, first of all, both teams had bad, week, bad performances last week. Uh, Florida State won, but it was a lackluster performance. It's a situation that you could say they were looking ahead, plus they were coming off that big Miami of Florida game. They actually had a bye week, I should say, last week, but their final week before this game, they played Miami of Florida the week before. Both teams. Right, so slow down. I'm confused. They played Miami the week before, then they had a bye. No, then they had another game, lackluster performance, then the bye. Okay, so if anything, motivationally, you would think that would be pro Florida State because not only you know they had a big win, right. and what tends to happen is you you don't blow out a team you should maybe the next week, but then that's what now you got a bye, and the coaches are preaching that for two weeks, and they come out on fire for a national TV game. So motivationally, that'd be an advantage for Florida State. It would be public perception. It would also be for Florida State, and I, and I like it because it sets up my next part of this game. No, but I'm so, I, I'm not. I'm I'm interrupt you more than usual, but I want to understand this. You're saying the fact that Florida State played poorly the, the last game is a public perception advantage. For Florida They've State? had two weeks of prayer. The people are get, people are getting more sophisticated because of websites like our own. People write blogs, talk about sandwich games, and they understand of look-ahead games. So they're not going to put as much credence in that bad performance. But off of the Miami of Florida game where they dominated Miami of Florida. The public perception on this team in the stock is at its highest point as it's been all year. With that said, if I told you right now, Florida State, Virginia Tech, neutral field. You know, I, I know Virginia Tech, for example, is underrated. Uh, Vegas actually has them in the top 20 in their odds makers poll. You know, I w my gut feeling would be Florida State a small favorite, but not as much as you might think. But public perception would, would yeah, you yeah. agree would be Florida agree, State? Agree. Florida State is laying the same number that Virginia Tech laid to NC State at NC State a few weeks ago. And Virginia Tech, you know, that was a few weeks ago before Virginia Tech ran off three or four in a row. So, right, so you're saying a few weeks ago, Virginia Tech was held in even less esteem. They were laying the same number, which is four. Right. That's being laid now. Florida State seems to be clearly the better team. Thus, you're saying, now, there's two ways to look at that. Oh, my God, great value. Lay it. You're saying it might be a, a special Marco Trap game. Absolutely. That, you know, mo a lot of handicappers are going to cry the value play there. I don't. When I see something like that, especially when it's on a nationally televised game, it's even more because you know there's going to be more people involved in this game on Thursday than more public action. Right. Whether and if it was just so on what a you're normal Saturday. Is, one of the requirements of a trap game, for the most part, is being a public game because the bookmakers aren't going to try to trap the public in a game they're not going to bet no matter what. Absolutely. Good point. Okay, so it sounds like you're saying you think that Florida State is at their zenith right now public perception-wise. The line doesn't account for that, and thus it's a trap and you have strong feelings towards NC State. I do. And like I said, going back, the only game that Florida, you know, Florida State's played well this year, and I think, you know, they might be a tad overrated at this point of the season. And going back, they haven't placed, faced a strong offensive team with a passing game. Miami of Florida, you know, I, when we did that video a few weeks ago, I said I don't like their quarterback. But Oklahoma was the best they had, and they got blown out at Oklahoma. I look for this to be not a blowout, but I have 
NC State pulling off the upset Thursday night, 31-28. All right, official projection. Official so this projection. is not your best bet. Not my best bet. You're 7-1 on your best bet. Yeah, we, unfortunately we lost that one last week, and we'll talk about it later. 7-1, though. Well, yeah, we'll take that. Any other closing thoughts? Not on this one. All right, now it's your turn. Now, oh, one last thing. Uh, we got a special thing we do on Thursdays at pregame.com. You can go to pregame.com and click Premium Picks, or you can go directly at uh, pregamepros.com. And what we do is every Thursday, 52 weeks a year, we give you one best bet, usually priced between $15 and $25 for $1. No catch, no further obligations. If you have a coupon or something, you can get it even cheap. You can get it for free. But we have our $1 best bet every Thursday. And this is just one small way that we give back to the, all the supporters out there that make pregame.com possible. This Thursday, we're going to have another dollar best bet. Take advantage. And now it's your turn to continue the conversation in the comments section with Marco and me. And next up, we're going to be talking the Friday game, WVU at UConn. For the best deals from trusted sportsbooks, visit pregameaction.com. For free real-time odds, lines, and scores, visit pregamelines.com. West Virginia at Connecticut. This is Friday night ESPN. Marco, what should batters be looking at? Last week, both teams had clunkers for games. I think both teams were looking ahead. And the fact that we had low-scoring games from both teams last week, it's going to give us great value for the total, and that's where my play is going to be in this video. So you like the over? I like the over. In All this. right, so let's talk about because this is one thing that you preach about a lot that I agree with. Sometimes we disagree. <laughs> I agree 100%. The public believes their eyes. In the last video, you were talking about, oh, everyone's gotten more sophisticated. You know, I, to be honest with you, I'm not so sure how much that is. I think it's changed a little bit by 10% or whatever. I think in general, when someone sees a team lose, what was it, 26 nothing? Last week. Lost, then they think this team stinks and this team can't score. Right. And uh, West Virginia, how many points they have last week? Uh, the score was like 19-14. It was a low score. Low score. Uh, they can't score. Good defense. Now, wow, that adds up to an under. And unless there's a reason not to, that's the way to look because you're probably gaining a few points. So other than just the public perception, are there other factors that incline you towards the over? Well, I like the Connecticut coach, Etzel. He's a guy that whenever he is played on these TV games, you know, he, excitement. He has some trickery, you know, and I like the fact you're on a Friday night. If this was a, third, a regular Saturday game amongst the rest of the card, I wouldn't be doing it. But because it is that game where it's going to be in the public eye, there's going to be a lot of action, and like you said, people are going to bet with their eyes, I look at this game and find the value. Um, since Etzel took over at Connecticut, he's a perfect 7-0 and against the spread. Just an interesting uh, stat. When they were held to single digits the week before, obviously they were shut out, so they were held to single digits. In those nine games, the average total points was 50 points for those nine games where after they were held to single digits. So he knows how to make the changes and come back and score points. All right, so let me ask you, because it begs the question for the people who watched our prior Thursday night video, is you spent three minutes saying how you don't like trends in college. So in this case, what about this trend makes it an exception? This is a shorter-term 
uh, trend because you're talking about a coach that's only been there, you know, a few years, the program, the Connecticut and, program. And the re for those that didn't watch, the reason that you don't like Trenton College is the turnover in personnel on the player side. Correct. What this does tell me as, is giving a trend that's a coach-related trend. Okay. Um, we're looking so you at like coach-related trends, especially when the span of the trend has one coach within it. Right. All right, that makes a ton of sense. Go ahead. So he knows how to make adjustments, gets his team, fixes problems. You know, obviously that doesn't carry over into the next week with a number like that because not, not only is it, you know, a double-edged, you know, number, he's not only scoring points the next week, they're 7-0 and against the, the spread, you know. So it's a good number. It's solid. It's a basis. So we got a good coach who likes to bounce back. Or, or does well bouncing back. We, we have a coach that does well in prime time and gets excited about prime time. We have two teams that were likely looking ahead to this big game last week, had under, underperformed in a way that tends towards the under. That means value. And to me, that all adds up to me making a play on this game. And uh, give, give us your official. Protection. I'm looking at this game to go over the total. Uh, I see West Virginia being able to squeak out a win, 28-24, but that gets us over the number. Uh, the total sitting right now at 45. All and right. A half. Couple of closing thoughts. This is interesting. West Virginia is 11 and 0 ATS on the road against a losing home team. So let's think about that a second. The, 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 the typical uh, uh, soft spot, not soft spot, flat spot that a team has is, all right, you're a pretty good team, uh, you're on the road, but you're against a losing team, and thus you end up winning by three, you were laying seven or whatever. Mm -hmm. That happens all the time. That's a typical flat spot. So it looks like West Virginia is one of those teams that is good enough to win on the road, but not so good that they take it for granted. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, if you have a, a, a motivated, one of the things about home field is two things. One is the home crowd's excited, but oftentimes if it's a losing home team, there is no home, you know, there's 3,000 people or 7,000, you know, the crowd's not really a factor. Number two is if the team who's traveling is flat because they're taking the game for granted against a bad team or something, that's another reason that home dogs do well. The, the home field advantage and the, uh, the flatness of the road team. If you have a West Virginia that's not flat, then it seems like they're going to do well on the road against bad teams, and 11-0 and is a pretty big number. Now, how far did that go back? You know, I, I'm not sure on that, um, but what was your well, point? The point would be, the only thing that I would put in there is, remember, we're only, um, this is the third year we're into the coach at West Virginia that we have now, so 11-0, and that definitely is pretty much all him. Uh, See, I wouldn't think, because think about it, if you're playing five or six road games a year, and you're only going to, West Virginia's only going to be a road favorite in two or three at most, this probably does extend back four years or more, I would say. Okay. So I would agree with you. But again, to me, if the majority is from the current coach, and again, there's a culture. Is this West Virginia's been a, when they've been good, a, a, a top 25 but not above 15 team? Typically, mm -hmm. there's been exceptions, and that seems to fit the model. We're a pretty good team that doesn't take bad home teams for granted. The only reason, the point that I was getting at with that is going back to Rodriguez, which we're seeing that at Michigan. It's an offensive-minded coach that the defense was secondary. And when you're playing on the road, you're laying a shorter number. So that offense, you, you know, at home you're laying a big number, and a lot of times that defense will give you up backdoor covers with a bigger spread. Where when you're on the road, you're laying generally in that single-digit range, uh, 
You mean the thing. offense will give you the backdoor cover? The if you have a bad defense and you're laying a lot of points at home, oh, give up the backdoor right. cover. Okay. So sh- when you're playing on the road and you got a good offense, but you're def- you're laying a smaller number on the road, so you're still getting that win and not worrying about that backdoor cover as much. Because if the backdoor touchdown happens, they might lose the game right. because of the shorter number. Last point is West Virginia's covered five of six against UConn. And again, like we said, the, uh, there's been a coaching change there. But I think when it comes to matchup stats, oftentimes that actually transcends. When it's a matchup uh, between the two specific teams, it oftentimes transcends the coach. Okay, good stuff. All right, now it's your turn to continue the conversation in the comments section with Marco and me. And next up, and this is uh, the last video or actually the last audio on this podcast. So our next podcast is coming up and our next video. And we're going to be talking about this weekend's college and pro football action.